Good day, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to the Shooters Shoot Basketball Podcast. This is the first episode of season four of the show. We could not be more excited to be back talking hoops. I'm your host, Kenneth Cotterell, as always, and it feels great to be back. And I'm joined today by president of Off the Ball Network, host of the Off the Ball Pod, and co-host of the Get a Bucket Podcast as well. The guy who brought us JJ Reddick to the show all those years ago. That's Chris LeBron. Chris, how are we doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. That story is still, I, I remember verbatim what ha- every, how every, it all transpired. Like, I remember you tweeted something about like your favorite player being JJ Reddick, I think it was something like to that, to that uh, ilk. And I remember just saying, hey, JJ, added him and just said whatever. And then I remember sitting on the left side of my bed, putting the phone down and like, 20 minutes later, my phone just ding, 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 ding. I'm like, what the heck? It's like, I didn't tweet. I don't remember tweeting anything, you know, that was like worthy of that. And then JJ's like, yeah, let's make it happen. I was like, oh, I'm like, Ken, did you see this? JJ Reddick responded, go, 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 <laughs> go, go get him, go hit him up. And you made it happen. And, you know, uh, that was still a great episode. So that was that, that's something that I always remember. That's why I always tell people just at people. Yeah. You just never know what's gonna happen. Like literally, you have nothing to lose. Like you literally have nothing. They don't respond. They don't respond. But if they do, then hey, you just you might get a podcast. When, when you go and look at what he became, which is not just like he was always a great player, great role player in the league, but to then go on and have the media career that he had post basketball, we see him on ESPN. He's calling games, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Having the opportunity to interview him was definitely one of the high points. That I've had in my podcasting career, I'd say yeah, you got him right before like he would have blown up, and maybe it wouldn't have happened. So like you know, it it was the perfect timing and all that. So got him in the bubble. He made a couple comments about some Canadian beer that that we won't talk about on this show here today. But uh, (laughs) you know, I wanted I wanted to bring this show back because obviously I have my competitive edge podcast, my my betting show, but I don't get to talk hoops as much as I would like. Um, A lot of it does center around the, the betting focus of it, so I wanted to bring it back weekly show dropping on Sundays for you guys to listen to. And so we're going to kick things off right away by uh, getting into some power rankings because we're, we're, I think we're at the point of the season where we can start to think about power rankings. And so we put them together here today and we've got them up on the screen here for you. And top five, I think is, I felt like the top five was pretty easy. This go around. You got Denver, Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, and I, Dallas is in there as well. So, Chris, top five. What are your thoughts? 
So you got Denver one. I agree. Philadelphia two is, you know, and then they beat Boston too. So that's, that makes sense for two Boston at three Dallas. I mean, who would have thought Dallas would be at four. I think a lot of people were still tripping over the Kyrie Luca thing. My only thing was that's not, that wouldn't be the issue. The issue is the rest of the team. And so far the role players have been good, but Luca especially has been, he's been phenomenal. Even that he's shooting just the lights, uh, lights out the most 40% from three this year. I think that's the big thing was, can he get his three point shooting to be even better so far? It's only what, like 10 games in. So small sample size, but they have been definitely, uh, he's definitely approved from three and all, even defensively, it looks like a little bit more active and all that. That helps with having Kyrie Milwaukee five. That that's fine too. Cause you know, it's just a matter of them figuring out once they get gelled together and all that, they're going to be fine. Defensively, they've, they've kind of, you know, you feel the Drew Holiday m- missing Drew Holiday for sure, but I think uh, eventually, you know, you'll we'll see Dave, you know, make up for that big time, especially when we, you know in clutch moments. So yeah, the top five I think is really good, you know. Uh, but there's guys on the outside that are that are creeping up that we would even think would be thought about even even this early in the season. So you know, this season of basketball is it's it, so far it's off to a really good start. And I, I'm really excited to see you know how the rest of the season goes. I think that's the tough part about your, you know, your two or three weeks into the season, and you've got a team like Houston at fourteen. And do I think that by season end we're going to be talking about the Houston Rockets being a top fourteen team in the league? Yeah, I don't, but I got to give them credit for being five and three. They're on a five-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. Sengun looks really good. This young Cora they brought in. I love back. Sengun. So tell them people about Sengun. People, I know people worried about him defensively, slow feet possibly, but. He's going to be a really good player. He's going to be really good. You've got Van Bleek got brought in. You've got Dylan Brooks got brought in. Feels like they're starting to pull together some pieces. And it's something that I wish that some of these other bad teams would have done. I'm looking at the bottom. I mean, you look at the teams like Washington, Detroit, Charlotte. They just don't seem to be bringing in in enough of these guys that can produce night to night. They can help these young guys start to to grow as players. Because, I mean, (laughs) if you've watched the Washington Wizards game this year, it's wild watching what Jordan Poole's doing out there, and I get it. It's it's fun to watch at times, but there's also been some really bad moments that he's had. Yeah, it, it it's bad, but you know what? You always need one team to just be like that because you can't have every team trying to – you need one team that just goes out there and they don't care. Cool, they got cool. They got a bunch of guys that just – it's fun to watch it, but yeah, they, they, they it's Washington. But they knew this, so they're like, hey, let's just – Let's just let them go. Like, let them, whatever happens, happens. But, like, yeah, it's, but, but like you said, more teams. I thought Detroit would be more in that mode too. Cause I thought, I actually thought they were ahead of Houston as far as, you know, being ready to mate, not, not so much be in contention, but just be a step, a year ahead and all that. So I thought they would be more of a proactive with trying to get more vets on their team, especially when you got Cade Cunningham, who, when he's healthy to me, is, you know, I think he's an all-star level talent. I think he can, you know, definitely be there this year and all that. But they have a young team. You think they would, you know, try to sprinkle more of veterans around to try to be competitive, you know, maybe try to be a play-in team, you know, especially they gave Monty Williams, he's the highest paid coach in the league, right? $12 million a year and all that. So figured that, but, you know, they still got a lot of ways to go uh, in Detroit, but a lot of talent, but a lot, lot of way to go. And then, I mean, when we're talking about some of the teams are, who are on that left side who have had nice starts, and I think probably a little bit surprising to some that they've had the starts that they've had, Indiana being all the way at six. Now, I thought that they were 
playing team potential to maybe be the sixth oh. seed in the East if all goes their way. But right out of the gate, they're firing. Halliburton's playing well. Uh, Matherin's playing well. There's a ton of talent there. So what are your thoughts on Indiana early in the year? I'm not surprised. I I I, I, I love this team. I thought they would be a top four to top five seed. And it was all on Halliburton. Um, I, I'm a you know I'm a big Halliburton guy. I I I still think Sacramento made a mistake trading him. I know they've they've definitely uh, they've definitely uh, done did good things last year to make the playoffs. The bonus is obviously a tremendous player, but I think long term, you know, I think short term, yeah, it looks you know you know it's obviously Sacramento's doing well and they had De'Aaron Fox and all that, but I think long term they're gonna be like, oh, damn, you know. Uh, you know, we, we might have made a mistake there, but he's special. I like the team around Miles Turner. You know, I know people he said he was a top five center on a podcast, and I know people laughed at it, and it's not as crazy as you may think. You know, when people said they're like, Oh, that's ridiculous, and you're like, if you do if you think about it, like, yeah, we have the the big, you know, we got Jokic, we got Embiid, and then after that, it's like Okay. Tens, like, like, yeah, like, is that real crazy? A guy who could block shots, who can shoot the three, you know, is averaging what 18 a game or like that's not really a crazy thought to say that Miles Turner is. And now that he's got it paid, he's not on the trade block anymore, right? He, he's focused and all that. And he's got himself a, a nice, you know, running mate with Halliburton, leads the league in the system and all that. Got a good, some good pieces around him. That's not, that's not, wasn't a crazy thought. I just, I, I like the way this team is, and it to me it starts at Halliburton. He he is he's going to be an All Star this year. He's going to be an All NBA, maybe liable player and all that. He's he's a special talent. Matherin had a little bit of an early you know couple game stump. Definitely playing better and all that. I I, I imagine he's going to continue to play better and all that. And once they incorporate some of their young guys and all, I think they're going to be fine. I think you know, and they're scoring at a high clip. I mean, they they, well, they dropped the buck fifty on the Spurs. I know the Spurs defensively are not good. But a but, buck fifty is a buck but a 50. buck fifty is a buck fifty. Like it's a lot of points, and, and they've been scoring at a high clip. They all their wins, they're dropping like a buck twenty five at minimum. So it, it's been fun to watch them, and, and it starts to Halliburton and all. I mean, uh, Halliburton and all that. So I mean, Giannis dropped what fifty four the other night on them, and they won. You know, I didn't. I didn't even do a player of the day. I'm like, I thought it was going to be Giannis, and I was like, oh, it can't be Giannis because be they lost and all that. So. They, they've been really fun to watch and all that, and I just like the balance. Offensively, they just, you know, Aaron Naismith, he just got nice little contract. You know, at, he looked lost in Boston because uh, just obviously they had so many wings, so it was going to be you hard to – opportunity sometimes. That's yeah, and this is a perfect spot. Him, you know, um, and he got a nice little contract, and he's a, he was always a great three-point shooter in college and, you know, just tough time to figure it out with the Celtics, and he's figuring it out in India. They just got a nice nucleus and all that. You know, so and Rick Carlisle there, and I was—I'm not the biggest Rick Carlisle guy and all that, but he seems like he. And I thought he may have lost them at some point last year, but I think he's—he's he's gotten the the train rolling and, and starts with Halliburton, and he's playing tremendous basketball. So yeah, so I, I like be, this Indiana team a lot. This is going to be a weekly thing that we do. We'll we'll keep this up to date throughout the year. I don't anticipate that we're going to have teams like the Clippers, like the Cavs, that are in the the bottom 10 teams in the league, but at least with how they're playing right now, we got to keep them there. Got to give teams like Houston some love, uh, OKC, Minnesota, all these teams that are winning games. So 
we'll be yeah. uh, we'll be keeping an eye on these throughout the year and uh, yeah. weekly weekly power rankings for sure. Yeah, I could see the rock. Like, I could feel like the Rockets will get off to like what Utah did last year, and like Utah got off to a really nice start and all that, and then kind of fade towards it, but still have you know that you know still have high hopes and all. Like I said. Getting Emi Yudoka, getting you know some older vets and all that to to show those you know obviously when you get Emi Yudoka, you know you're 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 trying to win right because that's yep. the, you know he went to the finals his, his when he was in Boston and all that so he he was coming there to try to win and all and they were a very young team and I was kind of skeptical about you know Fred Van Vliet and is this the right move they should go I, I liked a lot of the young guys and I thought maybe there could be a blockage but so far you know especially Dylan Brooks. I don't expect him to shoot the lights off like he's doing. I do expect eventually him to, to come down to earth shooting wise, but he's definitely brought an edge defensively that uh, I think is infectious to the rest of the team. And now I mean, look at Memphis. It looks like they could, they could use a Dylan Brooks right now, and which is kind of like crazy. Both thing. Of them. That's why I liked both of them going there because I felt like the Van Vliet contract was not so long that it was going to hinder your long-term uh, movement yeah. with this team. But I also liked the Dylan Brooks aspect because this is a team that doesn't defend very well. And if you can bring him in, we know the team that's currently sitting at 28 in the standings is the one that really misses them from last year. So we'll talk more about them in a little bit. But weekly rankings, we'll be sure to update them every single week for you guys. Now, let's talk about, let's head over to what I'm going to call it as Homer Corner, which is where we talk about teams that we love. And I felt like the first one that had to be talked about had to be the Blue Devils. Um, obviously, a disappointing result yesterday as they took on Arizona, 78-73. You don't see many teams that come in and win at Cameron Indoor, and they were able to do so. And, I mean, my initial thoughts on it was, if you're just going to be a box score guy, when you see the rebounding edge is 41-27 to in favor of the team that wins, the offensive glass is 12-5. to other than that, across the board, it felt like Duke was right there. The shooting mm -hmm. was the same. They didn't turn the ball over as much as Arizona did. But when you get killed on the glass, especially in college, it, it really hinders your ability to win games. And I think that's why we see Duke lose. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites at home, and instead they lose by five. So, Chris, outside of uh, – you obviously want more Ryan Young minutes, I'm guessing, less Filipowski – uh, what are your thoughts on Duke after that? That I wouldn't call it a stunner because it's it's the 12 seed coming in and beating the two seed. It happens all the time early in the year. But I guess from a betting perspective, it's a bit of a a bit of a shocker. So, what are your thoughts? Exactly what I thought would be the reason why they would lo possibly lose this game was why they lost this game. Yeah, the lack of outside shooting and the bench, you know, the bench not doing anything. And I understand. They're still trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be contributors off the bench, especially with a lot of these freshmen and all that. But, and, and you know, you know, Phil Powski, you know, even he had some, he had some early foul trouble too, but, you know, he was going to be able to do his thing. But the perimeter shooting, you know, Proctor had some good looks, just it just didn't go down. Um, uh, Mark Mitchell just looked lost offensively, defensively, offensively. He just, know, just wasn't there and all that. You know, we got to figure out, you know, with McCain and Roach and all that, like we have a we have a plethora of guards and Caleb Foster too. Like we got a plethora of guards and all that, but it just trying to figure out that right rotation and all that. But what thing what what kind of hurt was just the inside the rebounding is obviously going to be a huge thing. Um, we don't have a lot of athleticism 
you know, and I think that could hurt us too, especially when you play a team like an Arizona and all that. So, you know, perimeter shooting hurt, but they were still in the game. You know, first half, you know, kind of got out of the way, especially the end of that first half. You know, I think Arizona went on a run, and then Caleb Caleb Love, he just it's also just like the Caleb Love. He just he, obviously he's not the typical Arizona player because he's played a Cameron indoor a bunch of times and on and and he's played really well, averaged like nineteen a game when he goes to Cameron. So that didn't scare him. And I think that was huge for them. That's why I was a little bit like, this isn't going to go. And I, I even told people like there was, I think my Duke was favored minus six. I was like, Arizona plus six is not a bad, it's not a bad take. Cause I'm like, Caleb Love does not going to be afraid of the moment. So it, it was that and all that, like, but this, they, they had a chance to come there late, but it just didn't go down. I mean, the first loss for Shire at home, you know, um, yep. you know, and with coach K there. Coach, he doesn't go to a lot of games either. So it just happens to be when he's there, then they catch an elbow and all that. But I think they're all right, though. I'm not, I'm not panicking and all that because they did lose to a good team. Like they, Arizona's a really good team, so they didn't lose to a good team. But just Arizona was just more balanced, you know, and they didn't play a lot of guys off the bench. But that big dude they had, <laughs> you know, even in just limited minutes, he was able to be really effective in those minutes, yeah. you know, offensively and defensively. So, you know, Size is going to be a little bit of an issue with Duke when they go against bigger teams and athletic teams, especially. And and if you if you match that with them not be able to hit perimeter shots, that's going to be the recipe for them to to lose. So Arizona had that; they they accomplished it and and they won. You know, so and still Shy has to figure some things late late in games and all figure out his rotation. It's always going to be tough when you got a lot of new players coming in and all that. So I'm not going to be too worried because this happened last year, early season struggles and all that. He was able to figure out his, his rotations and all that. And I don't expect Tyrese Proctor to struggle from the perimeter and all that. And um, but uh less of Mark Mitchell shots, less Ryan Young, and they'll be all right, you know. But yeah, it's just one of those days that shots good sh- good shots they took just weren't going in. And, and I, I, Arizona's I able to hit some big shots and just you get you know, worried if you lose by 15 at home, but when yeah. it's a it comes down to the final shot. You're actually leading with under a minute to go. You just end yeah. up giving up. Some and they hit the and one. Yeah, they got the and one Arizona late, and you know they went up one and all that. But yeah, it's it's gonna happen, and and that's why I'm fine with the fact that they, you know what, you lose. It's gonna suck because you're not gonna have Duke as the number two team in the country when the AP poll comes out, but. You've got a chance right away to right the ship because you're going to get Michigan State in the championship. Michigan Classic. State Monday, yep. <laughs> it's going to be – I mean, I love Champions Classic. I think everybody does. We're going to get Kansas-Kentucky. We're going to get Michigan State-Duke. It's going to be some really great matchups there. And I think without a doubt, we're not going to have the coaching advantage there. So if we are going to beat a team, the quality of a Michigan State, then we're going to have well, to – Michigan State went through the, – when they, when they lost their opening day to um, – who did they lose to again? Um, yeah, to James Madison. They they're going through a little bit, just figuring everything, and they're more of a veteran leading team than than Duke is. But they're they're trying to figure out rotate, and they can't shoot either from the outside. And even when they won their last game, they only made a couple threes, I think. So they're some another team that could struggle, you know, from the perimeter going against a Duke team too. So those two teams kind of struggle from the perimeter. You know, though that's what can hurt. Though I know those are two teams that 
a lot of people are favored to, to go to the final four or even win the national championship. And you know, and me and Kev have talked about, you know, Kev's a Michigan state fan, I'm a Duke fan. And we, we think our teams can go far, but we also say like, Hey, this, you know, we know that, you know, the, the, you know, the lack of three point shooting on both teams and, and, and the, the size could, could really hurt us, you know? And if you play a team like Arizona who has some length and all that, and other teams like that, that could, that can, those are the teams that could give you trouble, especially when you come March. The, the other thing about a team like James Madison too, is that people are acting like it's such an egregious loss, which don't get me wrong. Do I think Michigan state should win that game by double digits at home? Sure. They're the favorites to win their conference. Like oh, they're a good team. Madison. Yeah, Bickerstaff is a player. Like, they got some hoopers on their team. And and that was the crazy thing was you wake up, and obviously people who don't follow college basketball, they see James Madison, and they're like, what? Michigan State yeah. lost? Like, that's a that's a horrendous loss. That's on par with – what was that Kentucky loss a couple years ago? There was the Duke loss a couple years ago. Like, you lose to some of these programs that you yeah. shouldn't, and then you look at the end of the year, and they're like eight-win teams, and you're like, what the hell? Like, that's a – terrible loss this is a jmu team where the rest of the year i think they're favored in every game but one or two so it's a quality team so i don't want to act as if michigan state losing that is, is a major indictment just like duke losing arizona isn't an indictment which is why i think that game's going to be so good on tuesday mm -hmm. we know duke and, and Izzo have their history and so uh really looking forward to to that one on tuesday but the battle of the guards <laughs> battle of the guards so Let's get into the hard-hitting hoops talk, which is our final segment. I want to give a quick shout-out to Betalytics. Head on over and use code HEDGE for 25% off if you're looking to make some NBA bets throughout the season. And that's kind of where we're going right out of the gate because we are talking about the early MVP chatter. And when I did the Competitive Hedge NBA Awards preview, that was with Mo Murphy and Cole Reigns, we talked about this award. Actually – pretty lengthy discussion on this award and how when you go into the season, this is the one award that don't think that you're going to go and find like a Tyrese Halliburton at 50 to one to win NBA MVP, the NBA MVP award. We know who the six or seven guys are. It's going to be whose team's playing the best, who put up some, some big shots and big moments. And of course we're just a couple weeks into the season and the odds right now are Jokic plus 255. He's the favorite once again. Doncic plus 425. Embiid plus 790, as is Tatum. And then Steph Curry at plus 1050. So not overly surprising who the, the top five is. These are the guys who have been there. Everyone yeah, outside yeah. of Giannis has been there for the last number of years. So what do we think of the MVP so far? If I, I think that it's going to be I think at some point Tatum's going to turn it on. I think they've been trying to mix Porzingis into the mix. They've been trying to get Drew Holiday going. I think at a certain point they're going to just say, Tatum, go go and hit some big shots down the stretch, and he'll start to, to increase his odds a little bit more. But with the way that Denver's playing, the way that Dallas is playing, and the way Philly's playing, they're going to have to keep up. So what are your thoughts on, on these five guys through the first couple weeks? I think Tatum is somehow going to – He'll he'll be in the race. He'll be in the top four or five, but I think he'll be in that bottom, either four or five. I think because they have so many guys out there, I think he'll that's gonna actually gonna hurt him. I think if I think Embiid might be on this might be one of the more entertaining MVP races because I if if Philly if we got Philly Nuggets and um. Philly, Denver, and Mavericks. 
if they continue this play, now they're playing off the crazy start. And then we, I think we expect Denver to be, they could play at that. We've seen them play at yeah. that level. And Philly, we still got to figure out, you know, if they can, even though I think they're actually better off the way they are than with Harden and all that. And Dallas, we're still, you know, we got to see if that is the case. But if they stay at that, that MVP, that one, two, three with Jokic, you know, and, and we got to, you know, Giannis too in that, that top four, that's going to be, that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun and all that. But I think if if we stay that, I think I think it's crazy to think that NBA MVP fatigue is a thing, but I think it is. And and three guys have already won it. And I could see a, a world where they're like, they push Luka to try to get, especially if he stays at the numbers. He's, he's leading the league and scoring right now. I think at like 33 a clip. You know, his assist and the rebounds are always going to be in the 7, 8, 9, 10 range, right? So he's going to be damn near triple-double, you know, consistently. And if he's shooting close to 40 he's right now he's at 40 i believe but he'd probably be high 30 if he stays at that clip and dallas wins 55 games i think he gets it yeah. i think he gets it i think he get and then Jokic is playing he's playing absolutely ridiculous Giannis just dropped 54 points he's he's having an amazing season and all that but i think maybe dame could could cut into that a little bit and all that not too much but a little bit into that, and I think with Tatum and all that, same thing with Jalen Brown and and all those guys, and 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 Embiid, it's it it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. But I think if I, I had I to say right now, I'm gonna go Luca would be my MVP at the moment right now. So here's my feeling on the Embiid situation. I think that the emergence of Maxi is gonna kill his MVP chances. You think so? Because I think that Maxi's going to be most improved. He's going to be an all-star this year. He's, he's at least going to be a top three seed. Yes. He's and again, we've talked about this many times before that it is the best first-time all-star, and he kind of fits that bill he right fits now. Mold, yeah. And exactly. when Philly comes up and they're the two seed, and everyone's like, "Wow, what the hell happened to Philly? Because they lost Harden. What's going to be the reason why they've maintained it?" It's not going to be Embiid because Embiid's been doing this for years, but it's going mm-hmm. to be, well, because Maxi stepped up and he started distributing and scoring at a higher clip and he got more of an opportunity. And now we're seeing that. And yeah, they've had some role guys that have contributed well, like Kelly Oubre has and, and some of these other guys. But I do think that that's where we're going to see the, the Maxi discussion is going to ruin Embiid's chances. Now, Jokic, we know that they're going to win it so long as they stay healthy, 55 games minimum probably closer to 60 or more. So that's the thing. What if they win 65 games as much as how do you not give him the MVP like that? And that, and that's, that's what's going to make it fun. The the MVP fatigue. I don't know if it's real right now because man, if you win 65 games and you're averaging a damn near triple double, I don't know if Dallas can keep up the pace that they have. Obviously, as you said, if they do, then then Doncic is going to be right there, and I think we have a two-man race. But if Boston's guys are taken away from Tatum too much, if Lillard takes away a bit too much from Giannis, if Curry's team doesn't win enough games, then we're talking about Jokic, and then Doncic is the only other guy. And if they're like the five seed, then it's going to be tough to argue five seed with probably lesser numbers overall with Luka than what we're going to get with Jokic. That's, that's just a really tough yeah. discussion to have. Yeah. And I, and if they, if they do drop to like a five seed and Jokic is 65 game, I think Jokic would beat yes. out Luka in that scenario. But if Luka is 
the two seed and all that. And Luca is averaging 34 a game. He's and you're going to look at the rosters then, and you're going to say, well, it's Jokic, Jokic and Murray, and then there's Kyrie and Luca. But once we and, start getting three down. Exactly. Yeah, the, the third best player might be a rookie, you know? You know, yeah. so it's like, you know, you look at that and it's like, okay. And like let's maybe. face it, the league wants Luca to be an MVP. And that's He's that's the thing, Ken. The discussion for, I mean, preseason discussion. Luca has been in the top three or four of the last for the last three four years. years. It feels like, <laughs> yeah. And then he he doesn't win enough games. But that's, I think, what it always will boil down to with him is: does he win enough games? Does he have enough help around him to sustain a long NBA season? And so long as he does that, he would. He's a guy where I think he really wants to win something like the in-season tournament. And it's because you become the first in-season tournament winner. It boosts your profile a bit more when it comes to MVP. And then you go on, maybe you're the two or the three seed and you finally get your league MVP on top of it. So that's where we were going to have this discussion as well, just around the in-season tournament and what our early thoughts are on it. That's a good point you made as far as, when we get to the in-season tournament and get to the finals in Vegas and all that, if you win those games and, and let's say Luca wins the tournament and all that, does does that help boost his MVP or that he won the, the in-season tournament and, you know, he hit big shots and all that. So that that's something I want to see. I know we're going to talk about the in-season tournament, but I didn't think about that till now, but that is an interesting thing is that, that in, the in-season tournament could help boost your MVP. You know, well, uh, and, chances. And, and to be honest, that, that's it's a good transition into it because I think we know who we think MVP is. It's kind of a, a Jokic, Doncic. Maybe if Embiid's numbers go up even more, we'll talk about more about the Sixers in a little bit. But I think that it's those two. Now, when it comes to the in-season tournament, I love it. I didn't think that I was going to, but I love it because it feels like the regular season finally has purpose again at least a few more games in the regular season because the NBA set up this Friday night of in-season tournament games. And from everyone that I've watched, the players seem to just care a little bit more. And that's all that I need in the NBA regular season because mm -hmm. we know that it's long, it's daunting. You go from October all the way into to early April with your schedule and it's, it's a grind. But when you can get me to watch NBA action on Friday night and they pick the perfect night because you're never going to want to contend with Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football. You've got Saturdays as college football. This feels like a good night for them where they can, they can have some important games happening on a Friday night. And I think that it's going to, it's going to matter a lot for some of these awards. It, it is going to boost some players profile I still think that the league needs to find a way to make it matter a little bit more. Like what, the thing. what is, and, and I did see the interesting concept of what if it was for a playoff spot? What if it was for an automatic playoff spot that you win the in season tournament, you get a, you get your, your opportunity to get into the dance. What are your thoughts? I've been conflicted on that. Because now I'm also anticipating that the Detroits, the Washingtons, the Houstons that are bad, I don't think that they have the caliber to actually win it anyways. So if we're talking it's a playoff spot, 
hypothetically it's Denver that wins it. Well, we knew that Denver was going to be a playoff team anyways, so it doesn't really matter. Doesn't benefit them today, yeah. It doesn't benefit a one seed. Does it make the eight seed maybe care a little bit more? That the playing teams care a little bit more? I would say that it would, but mm-hmm. again, do they have the caliber to actually go out and win this act this full tournament? I've been, I've been, because that's been the number one thing is, and I forgot who brought it up, uh, who, what player brought that up that they had mentioned about, you know, getting an automatic bid, you know, essentially, you know, you win your comp, it's like it's college basketball, right? You win the conference championship, you get an automatic bid to the tournament and all that. And I know those other teams, they probably won't win it, but what if? There's always that what if, like, what if a team that lost 60 games just gets hot? And then now they have a spot. Now we got a 60 loss team that gets an automatic spot. I know it's m- most likely won't happen, but you could never say can. never. Yeah, I agree. But it I can because you can lose. It is, the, it is the NBA. You can't lose to anybody any given night. But then, like, then we know if that happens, people are going to lose it. If a 50 team that ends up with 55 losses, they take a spot from a team that. 48 wins and all that and now we like oh well we just screwed the team that actually you know played good the whole season just didn't get hot for you know uh, you know for the tournament and and all that you know so that's the one thing like i said i know it's a probably won't we won't we're not going to see washington win it and all that but you, you we don't know we, you just don't know so that's my one thing is like what if that was the scenario that were to happen think, if the lost team loses financial, do you think that the financial aspect is enough to make these guys want to compete more for it i think more than we think because yeah. i think we focus on like all oh, these guys make so much money but that's yeah. kind of the, the the cream of the crop is making the 40 50. the back end guys the guys second round picks that that make up the roster the league minimum guys if you're telling me you know i signed a one year $1.5 million deal. And you're telling me I'm going to, we win this tournament. I'm going to get, let's just say another million dollars. Well, I just, that's double my, almost, I got yeah. the same amount of years just for. I mean, a million dollars month. is life-changing money, whether people. like A million dollars is a million dollars. Like I'm sure if you told LeBron James, I'm going to give you a million dollars. He's like, where really? Like, so I think it's more of an incentive than I, even I thought, I thought, I, I thought maybe, but I was like, that, you know, for the back end guys and all that, you and even anyone, like, I, if I'm tell you, I'm gonna give you 1.5 to everybody. That that that's that's 1.5. You know, especially depending where you play, because well, I think I know we think we all because all these guys are making 10 million, 10, 15, 20 million dollars. Like, well, what does that really look like when you break it down with taxes and where you live and all that? It, you doing that look as as much as it looks, right? You know, yeah. so like getting that extra million dollars to cover away the taxes that you're paying. For, it might be so i think the financials are are more important than we think and all that but i i don't know have an exact no reason like exact thing what what could make because you need i think there is something you need to to incentivize a little bit more i just don't know exactly what that is and all that but it does seem like the guys actually care a little bit more and i I didn't expect that i thought maybe the guys just wouldn't care because obviously the the bigger prize is the larry o'brien and all that but i don't i don't also don't i don't so Commend the league for trying things. Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it's worth the shot. The play-in, a lot of people didn't like that, and that's been a huge success. You yeah. know, so why not give this a shot? If it works, it does. If it works, cool. Now you got a new thing that's going to make the regular season more important. You know, something that they've been trying to get. You know, especially with you know with their audience and all that. And 
you know, uh, add another element to the to the league and all that. But uh, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and you go back to how it was and and all that. But you know, I I don't mind change. So I I I wasn't crazy about it because I thought maybe I don't know if the players are gonna care enough about this in season tournament. Like it's not soccer. Like you're a big you're you're a big soccer guy and all that. You, yeah. Those people care. That's been entrenched for years. Yeah, that all these other different types of you know tournaments that they have. Matter. It's like I, I may not win the league, but I win the trophy, and so I consider yeah. our year's success because we're not going home empty-handed. Is the way that yeah. I treat it there? Yeah, they may treat it like that in the NBA, but as I said, I think it hasn't been indoctrinated in this country though, like that. That yeah, that type and it's of it's going to take time. Like people didn't that like takes that a while. Game. But if we get people to care just a little bit more about the regular season, which is what I think the league wants, because they are that's what they about want their ratings and where things are at early on. And if you know that it's an in-season tournament game, you may turn it on just because of that. And that's what I think they're looking for out of this. For them, the ratings boost, it's going to pay off tenfold if the ratings go up even just a little bit because of something like this. So paying guys, whatever, like we'll give them more money just so they compete a little. Bit. Exactly. And if, and if it works, if the ratings are going up, you're making more money. At the end of the day, we know it's, it's about the money grab, right? So if they're making more money and the players like it and the players like the, the incentives and all that, then it's going to be here forever. If it's not, if it's a loss and guys don't like it and all that, they can scrap then, it. There's nothing that says then, that they can't. And they can scrap it and then, like, hey, we, you know, we tried it for a few years, didn't work. Okay. We, we, we move on to try to figure out something else, you know. Okay, so before we head on out, let's talk about a couple teams. One that's trending up probably more than we thought that they would, and a team that's been trending down probably more than we thought. Let's let's go to the Sixers again. And I think that the question has to be asked of if, is Philadelphia better off without James Harden? And so, Chris, I ask you, are they? Yeah, because you get more maxi. It's, it, yeah. it's, it was just that simple. It's just that simple. Yeah. More Maxi. You, you, we, we knew this. We, we saw when last year when this happened. You know that you see the plus. You see the, you see the on-off stats when Maxi has was is Maxi's running the show. The, we knew this is gonna happen. We all said like if if James Harden gets traded, all right. If he gets traded, and I said he's not going to play. You know he's not going to be a Sixer. And if yeah. he's not a Sixer this year, Maxi will be an All Star. He'll be in contention to be an All NBA because he we've seen it. And look what's happening. He's going, and he's going to stay at this pace because he's that damn good, and all that. So, yeah, they're, they're, so this I'm is what they wanted. Point. I'm going to give you another point to it, which is if you, the way that the NBA salary cap is currently set up, if you are going to max pay three players and the rest of your roster is going to suffer, then all three of those players have to be completely bought in at a hundred percent, not at the tail end of their careers like in their prime and Philadelphia was in a very tough spot given they were paying Tobias Harris. What was the equivalent of big player money? And mm -hmm. then you've got Harden and neither of which are playing at that level. And so the rest of the roster has suffered for years. And because of that, getting rid of Harden is huge. Look at just their overall roster now without him, because yeah, they brought in Ubre before the season started, and he's been playing really well for them. Then you go get Covington, Morris, Batum. Like, you're getting 
contributors off the bench, which Philly has seriously lacked come postseason time over the last number of years. So on top of the fact that you've got Embiid now playing, he's a career high in assists right now. They're actually running it through Embiid because he's capable of doing that. And you've got Maxi, who can create his own shot, much like Harden did, but he's not just dribbling out the ball a ton. Tobias is fitting in okay. You've got Ubre, as I mentioned. Like I just think that the overall team works more. And then when you factor in the fact that there's no longer Doc Rivers, I'm not even the biggest Nick Nurse guy, but I think he's an upgrade over what they had. Then I think that Philadelphia has to be better off, and I think we'll see that come playoff time. I still don't know if it's enough to fully win the Eastern Conference because I still think that they're a step behind what Boston has and what Milwaukee has, but they're right there, and I feel like they'll go into the playoffs with a lot more optimism than they've had for the past couple of seasons because he's no longer on the team. Yeah, and there, there's not that that weird energy that sometimes James brings to a team and all that. We all know his talent, right? Even though he's been on the decline these last few years, Last year, he's, what, 22 and, and 11? Like, he's still a yeah. very good basketball player and all that. But he dominates the ball and all that. And you have to play a certain type of basketball when you when he's on the court. And it kind of, you know, it kind of hurt. It kind of devalues a little bit what Maxie does and all that. And so you just – and it, now you have Tobias Harris, you know, as the fourth, fifth option. And that's tough for – that's tough for a guy to be that forfeit, especially when you – then you forget about the money and all that, but when you're a player of Tobias Harris's caliber, you know, being a four-fifth option, that's tough. Yeah, That's tough. And now you just got to be a corner three-point shooter when you know you could do And we know he could do more. We know he has. he's a talented player. You know he could play. You know, and then, and then he gets crapped on for the money he makes and all that. And But you know, now that he's a third option, now he gets to play. He could do a little more of the ball in his hand. Now he could be more effective, actually. So that actually, when people think, oh, he's a great four option. No, he's actually better as a third option. He's going to be more effective at third than a four fifth option where he's just a corner three point shooter. So there's actually, you, you, you improved your roster with just one, with just removing one player by elevating Tobias Harris now. And I was elevating Tyrese Maxey now, you know, and all that. And then, you know, add a few players and all that. So, you know, now Embiid able to be more of a playmaker now he's averaging him like six assists this year yeah. you know and even if you just watched if you look at the stats you just watched the game like oh he he's actually being more of a playmaker and all that so now you just elevated everyone and just talking about the mvp you know a guy who finished second in mvp the other two years so like he he's getting better as a facilitator you know you got tobias getting better as a scorer and all that you know and then you got maxi is being at a score and now he's being a, a facilitator too. One won't subtract the subtraction by, you know, whatever was that saying, addition by subtraction, whatever that is, whatever they say it, you know, but like that's what you did now. Just by just by one, giving rid of one play. Yes, he's a really good player, but I, you know, it's been now they still need they still need to figure out like the backup big position because if MB, and we know MB's gonna miss games, they it's gonna be a massive drop off. So yeah. They got to try to find themselves in the, they, they, you know, they picked up Mo Bamba and people are like, oh, that's good. No, Mo Bamba is not a good basketball player. So you have to figure out that backup, you know. Still the best. And I know this is crazy. Yeah. They need to call like the Marcus Cousins. Like the fact that that man is not on a roster, that's a perfect, like, you, you get him, even if it's just five, 10 minutes a game, just have some type of competence in, in, in you know, for all coming off the bench and all that. They need that type of player and all that to fix, to, uh, to, to just, 
you know, in case he misses games or he just because he's going to play. And Nurse is, they say he's baby Tom Thibodeau because he plays, you know, and B's playing a lot of minutes. So we yeah. got to figure out a ramp up. You need some, you need some solid bench, you know, solid bigs off the bench. So they have to figure out that, but they're off to a great start and all this year. And, and, uh, but yeah, James leaving elevated everybody else. You know, they didn't have to add that much other play. Yeah, they got a couple of nice pieces of return bench, but everybody else leveled up, you know, just by James not having because you know he dominates the ball. So that that's a you know, that they made a that was a great move and everybody's getting better else. So that was big. Yeah, we're we're seeing it now and we're seeing it in the records. And if we're talking about records, the polar opposite of what Philadelphia is is what we have in Memphis. And we knew that the, the start of the year was maybe going to be a bit of a struggle. No John Morant for the first quarter of the year. But did we anticipate one and eight type bad? Chris, what the hell is going on in Memphis? I knew it, it would be a it would be tough. I didn't think one and eight tough. But yeah. it, it, it's I knew it would be bad. I because I know they a lot of fans were like, oh well, we had we missed Ja a few years back, two years back, and he missed twenty games. I forgot he had knee, he had some type. I forgot what injury he had, but he missed like twenty games and all that. But the difference is they had uh, Tyus Jones backing up, and Tyus Jones is one of the better backup point guards in this league, one of the better point guards period in the league. You know, forget about just being a backup; he's one of the better point guards in the league. So they had that; they don't have that. You know, and now we're seeing it. You know, it was tough for them to score the basketball with John Morant, Dylan Brooks, and having some better players. It, it, it's rough now. And obviously, Bain is is we knew Bain was going to be able to do what he does, yeah. you know, uh, and score the basketball. But it's a massive drop off after that. And I know they're playing a lot of young guys and all that, but uh, you know, a lot of these young guys still are trying to figure stuff out, and they just some of them just aren't good. <laughs> You know, yeah. like Zaire, you know, eh, he's, I don't think he's a good basketball player and all that. And and it's, it's kind of the opposite of Philly where, like, everybody leveled up when one guy left. In this situation, everybody is digressing. And I know Steven Adams being missed, that that's huge loss. But um, their their lack of scoring is is really showing big time. And, and it's it, it could get it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better, and you got what they were one and eight, so they got what another what sixteen games. sixteen games. So their season could be over by the time he gets back. They could have three wins, Ken. Three wins. Here's, here's the issue that they have: this roster has been depleted over the last couple of seasons very quietly, and now you're feeling the full effects, especially with Jaw not being there. Talk about Brandon Clark not being there. We talk about Dylan Brooks is no longer there. Steven Adams is out for the season. Um, and to me, I mean, the biggest one is is Brooks. I think that it's it's a bad decision, and it's not that it should have paid Dylan Brooks, but they had to replace him. And if they thought that Marcus Smart was the replacement for what Dylan Brooks brought to the table, not even close. Not even close. You have to bring in Smart and somebody else. It can't be Marcus Smart to me is not. There's the no wings. Of the There's that, no wings. Who's guarding the wings? Mar- 
and so guarding the wings. So you start going through their roster, and you're talking about Zaire Williams, Luke Kennard, Santi Aldama, and David Roddy are their wing role players. And don't get me wrong, I love Colorado State in college, but David Roddy shouldn't be playing significant minutes for a team that has aspirations to be a contender in the Western Conference. And Marcus Smarty's only shooting 43%. He's never been a great shooter. He didn't have to be when he was in Boston. They're asking him to be in Memphis, especially while Jaws out. And I just don't think he can fill that role. I do think that Jaron Jackson Jr. stepped up a little bit on the offensive side. He's always been a good defender. Obviously, he's Defensive Player of the Year last year. But I think this is just a bad roster. And even, even when you get Jaw back, I don't think that it gets that much better. Now, do I think Memphis can figure out a way to fight back and maybe get into the play-in? Maybe. They, I think they have to be sitting on at least five wins by the time he comes back. I and I don't know how they get to five wins before he comes back. I really I don't. don't. So. It's, it's, it's rough. It, it, it's rough. Their schedule is tough, even too. If he, even if he comes back, that like these other deficiencies that are there aren't going away. It just means that you're adding exactly. Yeah, you're just adding your – obviously, he's a tremendous player, but that doesn't mean that everything else is going to get fixed. You know, they, they, this, this roster is not good. He's going to come back at 100% ready to go, and he's going to be rusty. And then yeah. And, to and, 10 games and yeah, then, exactly. It's going to take him a little bit, and it, it, their season might be cooked by then, Ken. They they might be 5-20. and 20. Their season's over. You're not you're not recovering from that in the West. You're, no. Especially with a lot of these, you know, when now we're talking about Houston, maybe, you know, like, it's over. I think the season's over. I, it's crazy to think in the NBA that They're nine, ten games off. in, it, it's over. But I think for them, I didn't like this team even with Ja coming into this season because I, I just didn't think they have enough depth, you know, in the backcourt, you know, as far Here's as like, next good backup point guard, you know, but they have – and the wing situation and – Steven Adams and all like this I didn't like the teams points. Clippers, Lakers, Spurs, Celtics, Rockets, Suns. You are lucky to win two of those games over the next six. Yeah. Both it's, LA teams, Boston, Phoenix, maybe you the Spurs and Rockets. It's bad. <laughs> and it's I just, just bad. It's just bad, and I, I like I said, I didn't like their team. Even if Jaw, if you told me Jaw was playing from opening tip, I, I, I thought this team would maybe be a play. They would probably be a play-in team if that was the case. If they had Jaw from the jump, right but now, with Jaw, right now they got to be thinking about, you know, you know the the draft. They should be thinking about how to get or make a trade. They have to do something of significance, bros. Their season's going to be cooked. You know, they got their coach getting mad at the officials and all that, like. You know, it's getting We're bad in Memphis. And you can't be and, that angry. Yeah. And if you're John Morant, you got to look yourself in the mirror and be like, damn, I really messed up. I really messed up because you're a big reason why they're one. Because they probably wouldn't be one and eight, one and one and eight, one and nine right now. Yeah. They maybe be 500 or above 500, you know, because he's a great player. You got to look in the mirror and be like, damn, I hurt my team. Yeah, I hurt my team, you know. So on top of the suspension, you're, you and I and I said this too. Like, if they struggle really bad, he has to look himself in the mirror and be like, "I, I really messed up." And and if that doesn't help him, you know, 
to better himself and make more better decisions in life, then I don't know what is the, it just might be a lost cause and all that, but this has to, because you might be come back to this team and you may have thought, you know, maybe they they could ride the ship. You know I mean? They'll be, we could be a couple games under or no, you might come back to this team and, and your season's cooked. You might have three wins. Ken, yeah. they might have three wins by the time he gets I back. I think we thought that when he came back, they'd be sitting at like 10 and 15 or 11 and 14. And then you that's you doable. Yeah, you can work with that. You could work yeah. with that. And but three wins, Ken? Them, I just don't think that it's. We there. could be three and 22. Yeah, 25 game suspension, right? Yeah. Three and 22. Or at five, let's give him five and 20. That's what I see. Five and 20. Yeah. Five and 20, it's over. You have no shot. You have to go on multiple 10-game win streaks, and that might not be good enough. It's oh, mm-hmm. it, He has to look at himself in the mirror. If they are 5-23-22, and 20, and 22, look in the mirror and be like, damn, I really screwed up. Because you know you're just wasting seasons. You can't waste seasons in, in, in pro sports. Cannot waste no. seasons. I know basketball because the guys start off young and all that, but guess what? Just, just to start off young, your career could just be done by, by 28 and, just and the way he plays, too, his reckless around. style, like his reckless style of basketball – he, he, you know, he's already dealt with injuries before that. Yeah. You know, so it's it's bad. It's bad in Memphis. It's it's bad in Memphis, and we'll we'll see if they can figure out a way to string together some results. I don't know if it's going to be possible, but you know, if they don't, we're this Meg Biombo's playing basketball. We're, we're going to have to get a certain Grizzlies fan off here to to on the show to talk about what his team's doing. And yeah, we, we got to get him on. We we got to talk to bro. We got to see how he's feeling. I feel bad for my guy. I mean, if it gets much worse, it's going to be an intervention, but but we'll see what happens. <laughs> You're talking match. NBA draft with him. He's not used to that. You're talking NBA draft. You think about Isaiah Collier on the team, you know? It's bad. It, it, it's I didn't I didn't think it would be that but this bad, but I thought it'd be bad, but then they're not worst team in the league bad. Like it's 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 rough. It's rough basketball to watch. Well, Chris, I appreciate you coming on the show. Returning episode of Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast. Tell the folks where they can find your work. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Happy Shooter Shoot is back. You know, well, you know, you know, you made it, you made this, uh, the brand really good. So I'm happy it's back and, and ready to go. And, and uh, it's going to be a good season. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me off the ball pod. You know, that's my Twitter. I, I, I haven't done a podcast in a while. I've been in a lab, you know, working on some new show ideas and all that. And I got some really cool ideas for some new shows, you know, that I got coming out. So I'm really excited about the few projects and I'll have those announced on, on the off the ball, uh, off the ball pod. And except following off the ball network, we're doing a lot of good things. See you Sunday. We just did, you know, had a great show and all that, a great football content, follow the basketball stuff. And before we always doing our OTB and Hooper of the night, every, uh, you know, every night there's basketball. We're always doing our Hoopers of the night. So always follow that. Luca was, was yesterday's Hooper of the night. You know, so always follow us for that. You know, power rankings, NFL. We're gonna do NBA power rankings and all that. So all that good stuff. Follow us, OTB underscore network on Twitter, offthewallnetwork.com. You know, a lot of great articles, especially our guy Omar. He's killing it and all that. So uh, just that's where you can follow me, off the ball pod. You know, we're posting college basketball, NBA, get a bucket podcast with my co-host, you know, uh, Kev. We're gonna be talking about Michigan State and Dukes, you know, early season losses and see if you know hit the panic button or not and all that. But check up, check me out on there. And appreciate everyone who listened to the return episode of the show, season four, episode one. We'll see you guys next time for the Shooter Shoot Basketball Podcast.